This is Up for Debate, episode number 238, recorded August 11th, 2022. Insert coin, our summer of video game movie adaptations. Tonight, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two hosts agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by a man who thought the most annoying Hillary he knew asked him to Pokemon go to the polls in 2016. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Whoa. (laughs) Where did that intro come from? Well, because the butler's name is Hillary. I had to come up with something clever. Oh, I? Should I try something else? No, I think that was good. That was I just wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting a a, a pointed 2016 reference. A Matt, a man who only talks in bad British accents. It's Matt Mariani. <laughs> um, I I don't know. See here, here's the thing. In this movie, we saw a really bad American accent from that, Daniel Craig. Well, that was I was gonna say. You and I, we, we have to have a, a mini debate within a debate. Is who had the worst accent? Daniel Craig or Angelina Jolie? Yeah, that that I would baffling. I'd have to give it to I'd give it to Craig. Yeah, his American's wow. not good. It's a, it's amazing. Um, you, did you see Knives Out? I did not. It's ama- He does a great job in Knives Out, portraying like a Southern detective. Way better. He must have taken lessons or something <laughs> between. Uh, 2001 and now well i also think he wanted to sound a little more badass which he just does so much better in his traditional british accent it just doesn't doesn't come off as badass in his american yeah the trouble the trouble was he wasn't leaning hard enough into it and i i he just wasn't he wasn't committing to any one accent like in one scene he was like new york tough tough guy uh in another scene, he was like annoying mid-Atlantic guy. Uh, in a, like his, his his accents were kind of all over the place. Um, but uh, he had a few shirtless scenes in there that that uh, there I'm sure were, was was more the reason he was hired for this movie. Matt, this movie had not one but two gratuitous shower scenes. So, um, <laughs> go figure. Of course, Matt, we should say. This is our summer uh, of watching video game movie adaptations. This is somehow our fourth movie, and we're still alive. Uh, we watched 2001's Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider. Uh, Matt, we got to get this right out of the way. What'd you think of the movie? Um, I really didn't like it. I, I didn't like it at all, Sean. Um, I'll tell you why. Okay. And this part has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, it has everything to do with something that happened to me <laughs> while okay. while watching the movie. Okay. Something that I don't often talk about on the podcast, even though I, I really should. I, I kind of have a, um, a ritual when I watch these movies that started when we did the Fast and Furious movies last summer. The ritual is I get Taco Bell. I, I, I <laughs> really, the ritual is... I go on the internet and I order way too much Taco Bell. And then I, I sit down with my Taco Bell with my nice big basement air conditioned room. And I watch, I watch the movie. Um, 
I'm not going to I'm not going to call him out because I don't think that's really fair, but the Taco Bell nearest to my house has I I I've put them on a three strike rule. Okay? So strike 1 happened when we were going uh, 2 weeks ago. We were watching uh the Street Fighter movie. Two two episodes ago, right? Um and this was half my fault, but I, I ordered from them and I ordered on the app and my order went through and was processed. I drove to the Taco Bell. They were closed. The Taco Bell wasn't even open. They what? processed my order. It all went through. They were renovating their parking lot. And and so their their restaurant was closed. Okay. It was a whole big thing back and forth with, with corporate. Got my gift card. Went back. Tried again. Strike two. Um, strike two happened, uh, last time the Mortal Kombat film, by the way, I went with White Castle for the Street Fighter movie. I was not disappointed. Um, but (laughs) strike two with the Mortal Kombat film, I like to customize my orders and, and generally be really difficult when I get Taco Bell. I think if I were a Taco Bell employee, which I never was, but I would, I would, probably enjoy those kind of difficult orders. You know what I mean? Like, so it's not, it breaks up the monotony a little bit. They're not like extravagantly difficult, but like certain, I like to sub out certain meats with other meats and I like to put like different sauces on thing. I, I, my order was apparently too complicated because they gave me, there's just the basic order, which was not at all what I was like Mm. gearing up for. Like I, I like, I'm a big fan of the steak. I'll add the steak to almost anything. And I wanted a steak quesarito with the uh cr- not the creamy jalapeno sauce the um avocado ranch avocado ranch it was just some it was this the regular ground beef sean it was the regular ground beef and the nachos grande did not have jalapenos on it it was not a good time fast forward this week i'm like this is it third time's a charm they're going to redeem themselves here i'm going to get exactly i'm going to go on the internet i'm going to order the 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 crave the um i'm going to order the it's not the crave case but it's basically their their version of the crave case it's the uh the box the the box yes exactly the box the cravings box i don't think that's exactly what it's called and i'm scrambling to try to find it on their website uh, the crate, not the cravings value menu, but it, it comes in the box. You know it's what I'm talking box. about? It's the box. It's the box. What's the box? Si- yeah, it's the box. It's the box. You get a side. You get a main piece. You get a dessert, which is really just the, the cinnamon, cinnamon styrofoam twirls. Mm. I went for the steak quesarito again to be like the the mid tier, like your your uh, side. And a chalupa as my main. The chalupa was supposed to have chicken, no ground beef, no steak, just chicken and like all the other things. Okay. The side was supposed to be a soft shell taco. I don't even think it was a quesarito, but it was a soft shell taco with uh, ground beef. And an extra nacho cheese, like extra, extra nacho cheese and onions. Uh-huh. Love the onions. Don't skimp on the onions. What I ended up getting 
was two chalupas, both of which had ground beef and chicken and steak and must- extra nacho cheese and and creamy avocado sauce. First of all, it sounds very these, wet. These, yeah, it was a gargantuan mess of a chalupa. Two of them. And one soft shell taco with nothing inside of it but the, the nacho cheese. So, now, do, did you, like, check your receipt to make sure you didn't get... Because I have gone to Taco Bell and gotten someone else's order someone by mistake. Someone else's order. I thought about that. There's a very real possibility that happened, but with it, I I got, I don't know, it's too coincidental because I ordered a large sugar-free Baja Blast, which I got, Uh and those cinnamon twirls, which I also got. So it's like, it was like too similar to what I ordered, unless somebody ordered something almost identical. Hmm. I don't know. And there was nobody else at the Taco Bell. It was just me. It was just Bad Taco so. Anyway, Bell. this is the frame. This is the the mental frame that I'm going into watching Tomb Raider, 2001's Tomb Raider, all ready for this Taco Bell that was just a very odd melange of. I made it work. I I still enjoyed it, but it was just not. It was just that was their strike three, and now I'm gonna have to go to a different location. I think, but you know, I I knew there was something off all summer. I said, "There's something going on with this guy." I said, "It is is it is he having marriage problems? Is he is he what's going on?" I was getting worried about you, buddy. No, it turns out you were just going to the bad Taco Bell. So I'm glad. Bad Taco Bell. Thank you for yeah. being honest with me, you know, and telling right. me that what's what's happening in your life. And now you and now you know my pre movie ritual that started and I, and that all started you. with the that all started with Tokyo Drift. That was the first one I did. That it was the bell the bell grande. Not nachos bel grande and then that's been that's been it that's been the week that's been uh every every tuesday i watch the movie well, i have the taco bell i take my diligent notes i get ready to talk to you about it well listen anything the show so, can do to shorten your lifespan is a win in my book <laughs> so right that's been our goal from day one um yeah, I, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't care for this movie very much. This was this was the weakest one to me so far, uh, for really? a, a okay. lot of reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. But what did you think of the movie? Oh, Mortal Kombat was a million times worse. So no, this definitely See, is I not disagree. the worst. I, one. Okay, I would sit and watch every Mortal Kombat like a dozen times before I, as long as I had Taco Bell for each one. No way. Before I watched, I actually any, any got through this. Uh, no, I would say in in general, in the grand scheme of planet Earth, is this a good movie? No, it's not. It's not a particularly good movie. Is it a good action movie? I would say yes. I think some of the action in it, especially the stunt in the middle inside her mansion when the guys come in, I thought all the action stuff was compelling, was shot decently well, um, had high energy, and the movie had a lot of action. So that I, pre- and it wasn't, Maybe it's just because it's been all the movies. I'm sick of like the martial arts action we've been watching in the last couple movies. And boy, did they have a lot of bullets. Um, so it was a bit of a different type of combat, which I enjoyed. I would also say this may be so far bold statement here. Of the four movies we've watched so far this summer, this may be the best video game adaptation movie we've seen. 
I think this movie did the best job of adapting. It felt, and even in many times, looked like a video game. It had different levels. It had uh, different sort of uh, sets throughout. You were solving puzzles. There was shooting and action. It, it genuinely, and even the mediocre CGI kind of made it feel like a video game to some degree. So if anything, this may be, in my opinion, the best adaptation we've seen. Yeah, let's let's talk about that CGI for a minute. <laughs> that that brought me right back. It very I, I was watching this movie and I was the whole time very, very aware that this was an early 2000s movie. Oh, for sure. The whole time I was like, I know exactly the time I'm in. And not just the because of the CGI, but because I mean you had because Angel number one, Angelina Jolie was in it. So that, that we could, you know, start there. The soundtrack was the most 2000 oh. soundtrack. Oh my god. Awesome. I, I so actually awesome. pulled up I pulled up the uh all of the um the artists. You had U2, 9 Inch Nails, The Chemical Brothers, Missy Elliott, Outkast, CeeLo Green, Moby, Moby. Uh Fatboy Slim. Yeah. My boy. Yeah, no, you know, it's so funny. This movie to me falls very squarely in the Matrix wannabe category that all movies were in after the, like there was like those couple of years where every movie wanted to be the Matrix. And you can mm-hmm. tell by the way the all the fighting is shot. You can tell by the music that, that plays in many scenes of the film, the soundtrack, uh, the score, that it definitely is trying to be like that techno action thriller kind of uh matrix vibe it's it's a total ripoff no yeah the um the 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 some of the music my only complaint with the the music i guess is that it some of it was was oddly timed like i i just remember the scene where she's escaping from the collapsing tomb the collapsing like temple and she's she's got she's on like the dog sled the music just didn't it didn't seem like it fit the scene. You have to I guess if you're you're watching at home, you have to rewatch the scene uh to know what I'm talking about, but I didn't think it fit the scene at all. It was like something that that should have been playing maybe after she had escaped it or I don't know, it was it was odd. It was an odd music choice. Um well, you know, I'll just point out that uh and we'll talk about some of the production of this movie. It was re-edited a number of times. The final score was uh, 60 minutes of music were uh, composed in 10 days to make the final cut of this movie. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. The The editing isn't surprising either. There were a lot of awkward camera shots I had in here. A lot of these these nitpicks that I have, are, are they're only going to make sense if you watch the movie. But... And, and you know what to look for, I guess. But there were some weird edits. There were some, like, camera jumps. Like, yeah. cameras would cut to actors that didn't, like, it was, like, before they started acting or before they started, like, saying their line. It was just very, it was very poor editing, I thought, in a yeah, lot of areas. And I think that was the, the biggest problem I had with the film. Yeah, I'll just mention uh, Simon West directed this film. Uh, you may know him from some of his other successful uh, directing jobs, uh, including Con Air, which was his first film, uh, uh, The Mechanic, The Expendables 2. And then he just got on to uh, Jason Statham's wild card, um, 
stolen a, one of those generic Nick, he, Nicolas Cage movies. He ended up sort of just falling into that category. But um, his original cut of this movie was over two hours. Um, and Paramount Pictures actually kicked him off the film uh, because they didn't like his cut. Um, and several other people ha- ended up editing it down to the final um the final film. And of course that means a lot was it ended up being 84 minutes. So you do the math. I mean, you talk about an hour of footage that was cut from the movie um, scenes that have never been released. Apparently um, a lot of Angelina Jolie's nude scenes were cut out. So it could hit a PG 13 rating. I mean, we did get not full nudity. We got little, little slips and, and side shots here and there, but apparently there was full nudity at some point. Um, and, um, and many other scenes as well. Yeah, that was another thing was there was, it was oddly not, I wouldn't I won't say oddly sexual because when you're making a movie starring Laura Croft, like that's something that I think has been attached to her character for better, for worse, for like pretty much her entire existence. But the movie, the movie leaned into that in every way possible, man, did it ever lean into Laura Croft as what everybody, you know, wanted Laura Croft, I think, to be from the beginning was yeah. just pixelated boobs. Well, I don't know if you knew this, Matt. The film was actually nominated for an Oscar for tightest shirts. Um, that was a very <laughs> bad joke, but you get the idea. No, no. She only wore very form fitting outfits throughout the entire film. I agree with you. Although to be honest, I was watching it and I, I kind of thought it would be, I appreciate that they had the Daniel Craig scene of him in the shower. Cause at least it felt a little balanced. I was like, okay, so this film was just sexy overall, but believe it or not, Angela Jolie was later quoted as saying, uh, she thought she wasn't sexy enough in the film, in the final cut of the film. So take that for what you will. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, the, the uh, one of the biggest problems I had with Angelina Jolie in this film is uh, she has like six lines of dialogue in the whole movie. She barely talks in the movie. If anything, that's more disrespectful to her character than what she's wearing. She doesn't say anything in the movie. It's just her doing flips and staring at the camera. Well, a big problem I think a a problem with adapting the character into a movie that they must have faced was that in, she doesn't really say anything much in the video games either. Well, but at least I'm talking about the original like PlayStation tomb Raider. She, I don't even think she speaks like, yeah, but neither do it's very minimal. Come on though. Cause neither do Mario and Luigi in their game and they got a whole movie. So that's what I mean is when, when you're, when you're, when you're adapting a character from a different medium, you have to, use your imagination to fill in the gaps. Right. I think what I, I think for better or for worse street fighter. And I thought moral combat did a great job doing like adapting characters with very minimal backstory and a street fighter, I guess probably more so because that game didn't, I don't think really the original didn't really have a backstory, just people fighting each other, but like to really create characters out of these pixels you have to give them something to, to, to dive into for Laura. This was her father, right? They, they lean a lot into her father, her relationship with her father, how um, her father was also this big wig archeologist, tomb Raider, 
that went missing and is presumed dead. Um, they, they lean into that, like how he, he was obviously very successful cause she's very, they're very well off. Um, but it's not enough. It's not, a, it doesn't give her enough of a motivation. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it doesn't, you don't really get the sense that she's anything but this adapted video game character all throughout. They don't give her enough room to room to, to make her own way. They, I think they spend too much time crafting these villains who it's very easy to hate the, the villain, right? The villain in this kind of a movie is just the, the, the secret society. In this case, they go right, they go right for it. And they, they even call them the Illuminati classic. Um, they don't really dress them up a little bit, but well, yeah, I, they didn't really give, they didn't give her enough room to, to have her own character. And, and that's why this, I don't even know if I want to call it a romance, but this relationship with Alex West, Daniel Craig's character, felt really half-baked because I'm like, okay, clearly they had something in the past, but we don't really get a romantic scene between them in the entire movie. Like, they don't ever hook up or anything. You know, there, there's no there's no relationship well, kiss. there. There's no. that weird underwater kiss when it, after Daniel Craig gets stabbed. Yeah, but he was already dead. I mean, that's the movie doesn't, but that's what bothered me. Is the movie never paid that off. And no, this, there was no the movie, the movie does this thing. I hate when movies do this, where the main character puts their own personal needs above saving the planet or whatever. Like it's such a predictable ending where Laura throughout the movie doesn't show that she has so much of a relationship with Daniel Craig that she would sacrifice the world to save him. And so when she does it, it seems like such a weird choice for the character to make that, that I, I'm not completely sold on. Um, but it's an action movie, right? I mean, a lot of times these things aren't fully baked in these. And that's why I don't beat up on the movie too much. Cause I think the action and the set pieces are good enough to make up for that gap. Um, for what it's worth. Cause I agree a lot of the, I, the, the dialogue is bad. The character acting isn't particularly good. The character development isn't particularly good. Um, the villains aren't good. I want to talk to you, Matt, about the bad guys plan and the mythology of the movie, which drove me crazy. So, oh, yeah. uh, I, I wrote in my notes, the mythology in this movie is even worse than Assassin's Creed. Um, cause that's, that's what I felt like throughout. It's a very Assassin's Creed kind of movie. Um, I remember how much you enjoyed the, <sighs> the, the main plot of the first aliens, <laughs> aliens, Matt, aliens. Yeah. We played All... that one together. Frustrating. Uh, so in this movie, uh, it supposes there's a planetary alignment every 5,000 years. I can live with that. Uh, and at some point in the past, a, during one of those alignments, a meteor crashed into Earth. The meteor contained a metal that was harvested and turned into something called the Triangle of Light, which would allow the possessor to control time. Now, they don't really get more specific than that, but at some point, whoever possessed it, it went bad and destroyed their civilization. Again, not really clear on what happened there, but okay. So the piece was broken in two, put at opposite ends of the earth, and then a key was made to unlock the position, which by the way, Matt, I hate another trope I hate in these movies is why don't you just destroy the fucking thing? Why create a map to find it? Also, I'm going to just pause right there because the pieces were not 
separated on on two different parts of the earth. In fact, they're pretty yes. close to each other. One is in Angkor, Cambodia, and the other is in Siberia, which I mean, they're not close. They're not. It's not like they they share a border, but you could get farther away than that. Like, how about put one in the North Pole and one in the South Pole, or like, why don't you put, you know, one in an Aztec ruin in Mexico and put another one in like uh, central India. I don't know. Uh, just like, I don't know. I, I felt like that was just because they, they must've just had a dartboard up and were like two exotic locations go. Yeah. They, they looked um, at where they could get the best uh, filming tax credits. So let's put it yes. there. Yes. And, and the, the Siberian one was unexpected. I, I didn't think they were going to go to, the no. plateau um, but it's also an easy uh location to replicate in a soundstage yeah that's it, 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 it's it, just it, a lot of oh, snow a hot place let's do a cold place yeah right. basically yeah um, um and they blew all the budget on that giant stone statue coming to life that scene he, i think must well, have cost them everything and that's where the mythology gets crazy. So fast forward, the Illuminati, it's been another five, you know, we're, we're at another planetary alignment. They want to get the key to get the pieces to put them together to create the triangle of light. They're going to control time and control the world. Okay, I can live with that. So Angel- Angelina Jolie, for no real reason, conveniently finds the key in her father's stuff. She hears it ticking. Okay. They take the key and they meet up in... Cambodia. Now, this is where the mythology gets a little weird. A, what was with those little children that were helping point her around the uh, tomb, for lack of a better term, that she was at? And the butterflies and the jasmine. I assume that all that was taken from the video game. I could be wrong. But, but, But in the mythology, I don't understand how the Triangle of Light, like what mythology is that part of? It's made up. There's, <laughs> there. I. It's their own mythology. It, I don't think that they were actually following any, like, any any pre-made. I don't. I don't know where this idea came. The this uh, this triangle of light came from. I think it's just all made up. Well, and I. By the way, I don't mind the triangle of light on its own. I think that's a totally yeah. fine made-up MacGuffin plot device. That's great. But I, and by the way, that scene before, right before she goes to the tomb, your felt so much like a video game. Mm-hmm. It felt so I, much I like a was, video game. It may have even been taken directly from the. It would not surprise me. Um, um, but the the little girl doesn't she show up again in Siberia? Yes, and but that's like, what I'm saying. Look for your father. Yeah. Like already dead or something. I don't know. She says it, something like cryptic. Very and odd. And Angelina Jolie does not seem concerned about it. They don't um, really explain. I mean, the significance of the flower is just that the father gave her that when he was when she was a girl, right? She he gave her the the jasmine flower. Yeah. And he yeah. Said no, it doesn't the, seem the, to have any plot. You'll purpose. find the temple where the jasmine flower grows, which could be yeah. a load of places. I assume yeah, it's not was... like just one place on the Asian steps, but. Um, but then she gets into the tomb and then I'm fine. It's a, a, every tomb seems to have some big overdone contraption. Okay, fine. And they get the first half of the triangle, triangle of light. She gets it and she escapes. 
But what I don't understand is how the Triangle of Light made stone statues come to life. It's magic, Sean. I, I, it, it's very <laughs> annoying to me. And then finally, and I, pro- I promise I'm going to get off my complaint about the plot of the film. But then comes the most frustrating part of the plot to me. What is Angelina Jolie's goal? To stop the um, Illuminati from activating the Triangle of Light and destroying the world. Right. Fair? Right. Okay. She's supposed to get to these pieces before the evil organization does. Right. She seems like very smart. The Nazis. Uh, and she has half. She has half the thing. You need both halves to complete it. That's fair to say, right? Right. And even even at one point, the villain is talking to his henchman guy and says the chances of this working without her half are zero. So why the hell does she bring her half to the... She could have tossed it in the ocean, launched it into space, smashed it into a million pieces, and ended the movie right there. Well, I I think maybe that was her ego. (laughs) I don't know. but But that's what's frustrating, is then the movie tries to play it off like, oh, she wants to meet her father. She wants to go back in time and save her father. But at the same time, she's shown the whole movie that she seems to be relatively intelligent. Her father tells her to save it. She doesn't even seem to necessarily want it that badly. And it's and, and even when they get to the end, I, I was just so frustrated because even the bad guy admits he's like, if she doesn't show up, we're screwed. We can't do this. And then, boom, she shows up with the piece. Right. Um. Or... Once she gave them the other half of the piece, they should have shot her dead. Because even he jokes, the Illuminati guy says, why'd you bring her along? He says, well, two Tomb Raiders are better than one. Of course she's going to try and double cross you. She's been doing that the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just, she, would, she'd be, she would be able to explain this if they actually gave her more speaking lines. Well, that's also true. Hello, boys. That, and... that, that's also, yes. Other than just like slyly winking at the camera. Yeah. I agree. Right. But I was just it, it was irritating. Uh they they do not do a good a good job of characterization. I feel like they spent more time on making the her butler and her engineer, her like tech friend, uh, who I can't figure out is that, is she is he an employee of hers? Does he like build tech for her? He the one he builds like those robots that chase her you for know, training. He- I guess I can only assume it's like a training module. Yeah, noted actor Noah Taylor. Uh, I would say he is. He reminded me the two of them. They they give them way more speaking lines than she gets. Well, he reminded me a lot of Alan Cummings in um, Goldeneye, which I think was a kind of a a bit of a trope at the time. The sort of ultra nerdy computer hacker sidekick. Yeah, see, I I was actually maybe it's maybe it's because of Goldeneye, but I was waiting for him to betray her. I, I was waiting for the scene where he's actually working for the Illuminati the whole time. Yeah. Or at least like they offer him a bunch of money. So he, he flips, which that would have been kind of cool. An extremely annoying plot device that I also hated was the fact that he built an ex- seemingly a vastly um, advanced robot for her to fight against, but never uses the robot in any of her tomb rating, which I was like, boy, that that would probably be pretty helpful. I would you think could, you could program that robot to fight. He could have fought that giant uh stone medusa for you and you wouldn't have to like run away from it i don't know yeah yeah stuff like that he could probably could have taken out the whole henchman army like daniel craig and all of them he could have just wiped them clean um i thought i didn't i also didn't like the introduction of the villain where they introduce him what's his name uh 
Manfred Powell. Yeah, Manfred the, the characters, Powell. other than Lara Croft, the characters have very forgettable names. I, I didn't like, oh, he's in uh, Ian Glenn. Uh, in, uh, he's, he's, he stars in, uh, in Game of Thrones, Sir Jorah yes. Mormon. Um, I didn't like his introduction because it's like they, they, they try to at first make him seem like a competent, you know, villain, one that, that Lara Croft is going to struggle against and do a battle with. And then he, they make him into like immediately into a buffoon. They were like, they, they you know, we'll, we'll do this and this. And then, and as they're, he's walking out of the meeting, he's just like, we, we don't have time to do that. Do we, or we're not, we're not going to get this. And no, no, we won't like immediately. It's like, Oh, Okay. I mean, it, I guess it adds to the sense that he's behind the eight ball and he's got to hurry uh, with it. But we already knew that because the Illuminati is like, we only get one chance. You know, you better do this. It's super, superfluous to make him into like, kind of a, seem like a dope where he's like, oh, we, we, we don't we don't actually know what we're doing, do we? Oh, no, we don't. Although like, I do give him credit. I did appreciate at the end when he gets the Triangle of Light and just kill just shoots the Illuminati guy and just like, okay, it's mine now. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's a pretty good bad guy move. Right. Right. That, and that, that was a little bit of a twist. If you get any kind of a Pepsi twist from this movie, that was it. That was like your Pepsi twist. But, um, is Pepsi now sponsoring the twist segment of the show? I think so. Movie I mean, twist it was brought to you by Taco Pepsi, Bell, but, Taco Bell. I don't Too like twisted. their twists. So far, so far, their twists have been, uh, except for their cinnamon twists. Their cinnamon twists are good, but they're 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 not giving me the right order twist. Not a good twist. Bad twist. Um, unexpected twist. Uh, Jennifer Lopez was in this movie. No, oh no, no. Rude. Jennifer Lopez was a was a, was on the short list. Who actually probably would have made a really good. Yeah, they looked at away from Angelina Jolie, but they looked at a lot of actors: uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Elizabeth Hurley, Ashley Judd, Sandra Bullock, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Demi Moore, and of course our favorite. uh, What was her name? In uh, uh, Denise Richards, who played uh, in uh, in Bond. What was her uh, Christmas Jones? Christmas Jones. Yeah. Good lord. Um, in 1999. Yeah, I think um, some of those might have been good. You know, Catherine Zeta-Jones did like Entrapment, some other movies around that time that were similar. Uh, Ashley Judd, probably Elizabeth Hurley would have been weird. But is this Daniel I, Craig? This is, had to be one of his first uh Movies, That's a right? good question. As Pretty I scroll down on. to his, I was actually surprised to see him there. I was like, "Yeah, before this, he just did a lot of um, was this smaller kind of British movie. I, I, it, certainly, his American breakout. I would say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, he did Road to Perdition. Um, in, you know, the year following it, which was pretty big, and then yeah, Casino uh, Royale coming out a couple years later in '06. So. Um, yeah, I, Matt, let me ask you this. What did you think of the action in the movie? The two tomb scenes, the, the fight in the mansion, the opening fight. What did you think of the action? The action was fine. There was nothing really exciting. I mean, there's nothing that you hadn't seen before. I, I, I do agree with your assessment that it, it was very matrixy. 
it it was a movie that was riding off of Matrix energy and was was very much with the guns and the slow motion and all of that. The the, the flapping trench coat style outfits. Yep, yep, trench coat trench coat action. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of um, guns. A lot of guns in this movie. Ton lots of tons of guns. Tons of guns. Um and and I guess Laura Croft doesn't like it, her equivalent of her of the bullwhip, like Indy's bullwhip. Hers is those dual those dual pistols because that's what you use when you play Tomb Raider in the game. Those dual like magnums. Yep. And she she uses them a lot in this movie, but I I almost felt like they they it, well, that was another thing that wasn't earned. It's just like something she starts the game off with. Would have been kind of cool if that that was like. You know, she's having a hard time. She's trying to like, I don't know, do everything like hand to hand and she finds them somewhere. And that that's like a, the almost like an origin of her character. I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't too impressed with the action. It was fine. It's really hard to, for early 2000s movies because this is when I feel like CG people didn't fi- hadn't figured out yet that it could be overused. So it, this was like the very beginning of that. We still have probably another solid like 10 years before people were like, oh, CG gets boring. Like you can't just keep using it. It, it, it like it date and it's horribly dated too. Yeah. Like, you watch this movie now and it looks terrible. Like that's the danger of, 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 of using things like that. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think. What's so interesting about this movie is the just utter lack of any sort of movement or development on the part of the characters or the plot, really. I mean, like you said, we don't get we don't get an origin story to see them grow. We don't really see any impact on their lives. We don't. Angelina Jolie ends the movie in the same place she started with absolutely no changes or lessons learned or anything like that. And that way it is very much like a video game. But for a movie, it doesn't give you much to latch on to. Yeah, no, it, it really didn't. I That's why I I just felt like I was waiting for some kind of growth to happen. Character growth, character change, like like uh, arc. But no, it was just it was like she, she didn't even really learn any anything in this. I mean, she. She has that vision, I guess you could call the climax of the film when she has the vision of her father when she after she takes the time device and goes somewhere in time. I guess I guess it's back in time, but it's not really back in. She goes to some sort of weird time limbo that's not fully explained and she meets her father in like a tent. The father by the way is played by John Voight, uh, the guy from Holes, John Voight. Yeah. Yes, played, <laughs> I was uh... I was I immediately identified him as the guy from Holes. That was like He's well, a good I was, actor. I was going to say in a lot of things, I would recognize him for being in a uh, very similar film. He played Nicholas Cage's father in National Treasure, a different that kind of too. Tomb Raider. That that's true too. Um, he's a good actor. He, he's pretty versatile. Method actor. But. Yes. Um, Matt, let's talk about the the ending of the movie a little bit. Um, in, in that big set piece, uh, where Angelina Jolie completes the triangle of light and uses it to uh, visit her father. As you mentioned, also turn back time, prevent Daniel Craig from getting stabbed, um, turns the knife around on the bad guy. They do a little hand to hand combat. What do you, what do you think of the, the climactic fight of the film? 
So this is this is where I feel like if the movie were made today, it would be made as a parody. Like mm. the whole movie would be a would be very parody, and it, I think it would be very campy, and I think it would be a lot more fun than this movie. This movie was just was not that fun. Um, I think if it had leaned, if it had taken itself a little less seriously with those things like that, and and it, well, it didn't seem like it wanted to have fun. Um, uh, Jolie's acting was very kind of one note, not really her fault. The writing doesn't really give her a lot to chew. Um, and, and the the story isn't. It, it, it could it's it's like written for camp, but it's not. People don't act campy. I felt like this fight was their one chance. They could have gotten a little silly with it. Um, you know, she points the guns at him. He has the guns trained on her, and he says, "No guns." And then they just throw the guns away and have like a a very boring hand to hand combat fight. Very not very memorable um, fight. And uh, it, it actually was nominated for, for by MTV Movie Awards for Best Fight Scene, uh, but it lost, as, as it very much deserved to lose, to a much better fight scene and a much better movie, in my opinion, Rush Hour 2. Sure. Um, which was a great movie. Loved, I loved all the Rush Hour movies, but... Uh, but this was just, it was just missing that kind of fun or enjoyment as scenes just kind of move from one to the other things happen because the movie had to, they needed to happen for the movie. I wasn't that impressed by, by really by any of it. Yeah. Well, I think even when the movie did try to get a little quippy and a little fun, I feel like it, it, either the quips were soft or they weren't sold or they didn't dial in. What one moment I appreciate, I was just scrolling through the, the um the IMDb quotes page for this movie is hilariously short. Um and scrolling through it reminded me of the scene after the big um mansion fight the next morning the UPS guy comes to deliver the note, which was kind of a funny moment. The guy's walking through, what the heck happened here? He's walking through, he sees the guys cleaning it up, and she comes out and delivers the the line um, with absolutely no charisma or even a wink, wink that it's a joke. She just said, I woke up this morning and just hated everything. And it was like such a, a non sell of that line. And it fell flat. And I'm like, you could have knocked that out of like, that was such a great opportunity for like a good solid laugh. And it just yeah. like, it's, it just didn't get there. Yeah. That was, that was one of those lines. I mean, that was probably her only line. That was played directly for laughs. She might have had one or two others, but I felt like they gave the a lot of the quippiness to her nerd guy, who was his whole character yeah. was just a, being a stereotypical nerd, and um, a lot of the a lot of the a lot of her charisma went to other characters. I think. Uh, well, and 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 I remember watching that scene and being like, well, nobody probably thought that was funny in the movie theater. I. I can't imagine anybody that getting a laugh out of anybody no. as, as much as you could tell that the writers wanted it to. Can I, uh, can I read you my, one of my favorite quotes from the movie? Um, a quote so important. I am to be listed on their page. And I think this is very emblematic of, of Lara Croft in this movie. Um, it's, it says, you know, and sort of setting it up after an extended action sequence with a training robot, which then attempts to revive itself and sneak up on her. Lara Croft. Stop. End of quote. <laughs> Notable enough to make the quotes page. I think that's really all you need to say. Right. 
Like I, I had the feeling uh, they, they did that whole trope where the opening scene is actually a simulation, which I thought street, another movie we watched street fighter uh, did that perfectly with the, the, um, the Johnny cage movie. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the part where you lie down uh, amateurs and like cut like that would have way better. Instead, she goes, stop, like stop the simulation. Like, as if to, you know, almost like we're supposed to be fooled. Oh, whoa, this was a simulation the whole time? Oh, no, my goodness. No movie has ever well, done that. And, and like, I just loved how at the, <laughs> at the end she goes up to take the treasure. Uh, and it is a Sony memory card with her party mix on it that she inserts into the Sony laptop. Um, it was so, it was <laughs> spectacularly progress. 2001. Her memory stick. Uh, that yeah. she put in there for her party mix. I was like, oh my God. I was, that must have been high tech at that point. That wasn't, in 2001, oh, sure. wasn't a floppy. It wasn't a floppy and it wasn't a CD. So that was yeah. uh, a lot of, a lot of yeah. bio products. And, uh, yeah, so, but the so camera Sony made sure to linger on that Sony logo for a, 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 a noticeable yep. amount of time. Yeah. Palatable amount of time. I think I get their so. money's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, any other any other things in your notes we haven't covered yet? Uh, did we talk enough about Daniel Craig's bad accent? I think we pretty <laughs> much covered that. Man, um, I think he know he probably you know if he even remembers that he was in this movie, he probably understands that was not a great accent. He killed it though. I highly recommend you watch Knives Out and watch his his portrayal of the detective and not the Southern detective in knives out. He does just such well, an amazing job in that and movie. That's what's you wild. You would never about, know that he's British. Cause I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm going to pull up his filmography. He did another movie where he did, um, a com Logan lucky was another one where yes. he did a, where he did an, like an, an aggressive, uh, Southern accent. Yep. Yep. I think that was around the and same Cow time. Cowboys and aliens. Yep. Cowboys and aliens. Yeah. Had he that he got better accent. over time. He absolutely well, pr- he, pr- he worked uh, on it. I just don't think he can really pull out the Im- straight generic accent. Imagine this movie with that accent, though. It's it's instantly instantly like better. Instantly makes it better. Um, and then all of a sudden, you want every scene. You're waiting for him to come in. Uh, or he should just be British. Or yeah, or or that. I don't know. I I think he's great in Knives Out. I think his accent is is I, I one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is his his diatribes that he goes on. Uh, odd camera edits, odd soundtrack choices. Um, I even no, wrote the dog sled right. escape temple scene. Watch it. Tell me that that soundtrack doesn't sound weird. Going with that scene. Um, and I also wrote. One day, I would like to set up an intricate series of puzzles for my future children, but never finish it so that it leads to nowhere, so that it just completely trolls them. I, <laughs> like, he has the that whole thing with the book. He has, like, some quote from Robert Frost, and then she opens the Robert Frost book and goes yes. to the back of the book and is like, oh, there's something back here. Terrible. Just terrible. Well, you, what you got to do is you got to get your lawyers to deliver a letter at exactly the time the movie needs it to. Yeah, my, my dearest too. daughter, it's if you're reading this, father. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, not great. 
Not great overall. But you know what is great? And you know what could probably help you forget about this movie? The Tomb Raider drinking game and the official drink of Laura Croft Tomb Raider 2001. Do you want to... uh, do you want to guess, as we as, as our tradition dictates, Sean, sure. what is in the beverage that goes with this movie? The beverage is called the Bifrost. No, I'm sorry. I messed that up. The Biforce. Yeah, the Bifrost. Which, isn't that what Thor Bifrost, uses to travel around? That's a Marvel. I think it's a Marvel thing. Yeah. Uh, Probably a different drink also. The, the, the Biforce. Biforce. Um, I think, I mean, I can think of a couple ideas. I don't really know what's in this. I would say definitely that sort of green vat in the, the tomb, um, in Cambodia with the green liquid in it, it had to pop. I think what I I would do a green cocktail of some kind with a bubble on top that you'd have to pop before you drink it. Um, might be cool. I guess you could also do something icy and blue around the Siberia portion of the movie. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, Matt. What what is in that? So this drink is not surprisingly not a blue one. It is not a blue drink. Um, it is this a lovely, actually a lovely peach color. And what makes it the a by force uh, is lemon and the taste of lemon and lime. Um, so it is two parts City of London dry gin, one part Pim's number one, a half part lemon juice. Quarter part honey, two parts lemon sparkling water, and a pinch of dried rosemary. Combine the gin, pims, rosemary, lemon juice, and honey in a shaker with ice. Shake to combine. Pour into a glass with ice, top with sprinkling water, and garnish with lemon and lime wedges. I would absolutely drink that. That sounds awesome. Over to you. It's it looks very lovely. It does. But before I do. How do we play the Laura Croft Tomb Raider drinking game, Sean? Well, every time she raids a tomb, you got to finish your drink. Every time she raids a tomb? Yeah, so basically, what, like twice in the movie? movie? Well, I'd say two the one in in Cambodia and the one in Siberia. Um, I would say every time she does that thing with her gun where she holds them and then, you know, snaps in the. I can tell I'm a gun guy. The cartridges with the bullets in them, uh, the clips. Um, every time she does that trick, uh, you take a drink. Very Matrix. Yeah, very Matrix. Yeah, I would say. Mm, every time Triangle of Light is said, you should take a drink. I think that's a pretty good one. I would say. Uh, nudity. There's not a ton of it. Um. Nothing full scale. No, no. The R-rated version of this movie would have been fascinating to see. Uh, Release the cut. Release the director's cut. It's not the Snyder cut. How about this? The the West cut. The Simon West cut. Uh, I would say the only other one I could come up with is every time you as the viewer feel guilty that this rich British family is raiding heirlooms from around the world instead of leaving it with the native peoples, uh, take a drink. Belongs in a museum. Sean, as usual, you got none of them, but your drinking game sounds infinitely more fascinating than the one that 
uh, is provided. Anytime a character or robot does a flip. No, you, you'd be dead. You'd be dead 10 <laughs> minutes into this thing. All she does is flip. It's That's it. That's a bad one. Come on. It's a lot of flips. Uh, whenever you hear a new, you're talking about, you're talking about going to die. Whenever you hear a new hard rock or electronica song, which oh. is every song in this movie, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's constant. Um, and then it says in parentheses, buy the soundtrack, you nerds. Um, and drink any time someone brings up Laura's father, which also you would be okay. dead because that happens in, in almost every scene that Laura is in. You'll fall um, and lastly, finish your drink as soon as Powell says the line, the log must pierce the urn. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I don't remember him saying in the movie. When does he say that? Uh, that's when the, they're in the, the tomb end? in Cambodia and the log is swinging back and forth. And it's got the little oh, needle. Right. It's got to puncture the urn, which which was... <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll give him that one. That's a funny line. That's what activates the big stone automaton, right? That's think, right. Yeah. The log must pierce the urn. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, that's your drinking game. That's that's it. We could do such a better job. We really could. We should these write people. these. I would also, I'd like to include on there anytime the butler Hillary says uh, any any fun, any anything funny, anything yes. funny or quippy, that would be a, a take a drink. Uh, quippy lines from the butler, uh, nerdy uh, slash whiny lines from her nerd friend, whose name I don't even remember. That would be a, a take a drink. Uh, cause he's got a, a couple of good ones in the beginning. Anytime he just does something nerd, like stereotypical early two thousands nerd, mm-hmm. you get a drink. Uh, and then any, any time, um, anytime Laura says something that is, that should be funny, but is not delivered in a funny way. You know, that's another thing about this movie is there's like six characters in the whole movie. Like there's not that many people in this movie. No, no, it's they a, spent the whole budget on that one, that one scene where the, the <laughs> thing comes to life. I'm telling you. Well, listen, Matt, the, the film was a success. You know, it grossed uh, $274 million at the box office worldwide. It opened the same week uh, as basically nothing else. It opened alone, but it was up against Atlantis, the Lost Empire in its second week and Shrek in its fifth week, which had at that point already grossed $200 million. Um, other films in the top 10 include Swordfish, Pearl Harbor, Evolution, and Rob Schneider's The Animal. Um, you know what? If if Pearl Harbor made it into the top 10, then I, I think we should just disregard anything that uh, that people from 2001 thought about movies. Yeah, this is a this is a week. Um, also, further down, The Mummy Returns was still in, in its seventh week, still in theaters. Uh, similar concept. Um and so on. So God, I miss the nineties. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Um, I miss the nineties. Our, our, our two nineties mo- movies. Yeah. It three had mo- the three nineties movies. It had the fifth highest debut of 2001, the fourth largest June opening weekend of all time behind Jurassic Park, Austin powers and Batman forever. Um, and it, uh, was one of the highest grossing video game to film adaptations uh, uh, of the time. Uh, Matt, we got to score this bad boy. Um, as we've done in the past, we pick a scale and we stick to it. 
uh except that we change it every time i'll go first on this one um oh i forgot my one other point um the name of the movie is confusing to me because the video game was tomb raider the movie should be called tomb raider i don't know why it's called lara croft colon tomb raider well i think the game was also no the the first it was tomb raider one tomb raider two there was no lara croft no, no, you're right. You're right. That is that is strange. Yeah, I, I don't especially because Laura is not everyone wants to say Laura. Yeah. And even even some characters even called her Lara in the movie. And so you don't know which one it is. It's like, yeah, it was maybe that was when Angelina Jolie came on. She was like, I need my name first in the credits. Uh, but I really just got to be called the Tomb Raider. Um, anyway, well, it's not called Angelina Jolie is the Tomb Raider. It's although you should. I'm going to send you the link to the trailer. For this movie, which is like even more like 2000. Um, and it's Angelina Jolie is Laura Croft in Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Um, it's wow. it's pretty wild. And by the way, I don't think she utters a word in the whole trailer. It's all just shots of her being sexy and doing action. So, yep. Unsurprisingly, uh, Matt, I am going to rate this movie on a scale. Of. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 5000 uh for the years between planetary alignments. And uh a, overall as I mentioned not a particularly great movie, but there were elements I liked and I actually I, I when I watch movies, if I'm not enjoying it, my inclination is to turn it off. Like I'm not a guy who just suffers through it or even like will look at his phone like I get frustrated if I don't like a movie. This one I willingly finished. I had no desire to stop watching it, which is not saying a lot, but it is something. Whereas in Mortal Kombat, it took everything in my power to finish it. So I think there is something there. I do think this is the most video game-like movie we've watched, which is both a pro and a con, right? Because I think the action was cool and some of the, the set pieces were cool, but like the Tomb Raider video game, the dialogue wasn't very good and the plot wasn't very good. So... Uh, overall, would I watch it again? Probably not. Am I mad I watched it? Not really. On a scale of 1 to 5,000, I'm going to rate this 1,883. A very fine year. Um, <laughs> yes. I'll make this easier. Uh, I'm going to... I'm thinking because there's there's a... They're looking for two pieces of a triangle, Right. I think. Yes, the Triangle of Light. Uh, there are two exotic locations that they, they visit two temples in. Laura Croft has two male friends that are also her employees and, and also Alex, who's like, I guess, more than a friend. Um, she's also got two pistols didn't you say yeah. this was going to be simpler than my scale so i'm going to give it a two how simple is that <laughs> it's it's okay. a two and take that for however you will this movie gets a two <laughs> all right that's fine that's fine no it wasn't it was not great and my concern is the next one's going to be even worse so um yeah to laura croft tomb raider uh matt will you be checking out the sequel the cradle of life only if you will. No. If no. You- <laughs> no. If, if the first movie is of this quality, 
I'm not jazzed about this. And I did watch the trailer for the second one, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have a ton of active interest. I, see, you. I think I I actually thought that I saw that I had seen this movie before in theaters, but I definitely it was this. I saw the second movie in okay. theaters, but I was also like 12, so I don't really remember how, what happened in it. But God, if it's anything like this, <laughs> no wonder I don't remember. Well, bleached my memory with by force, which I kind of want to make now. Looks very yummy. Yeah, honestly, of all the movie cocktails you've pitched so far, that's probably the best. This is the most refreshing one. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you want to know what we're watching next week? What are we watching? It's our final film of the summer uh, because we decided to eject Max Payne uh, in the interest of time and our sanity. And we are watching... 2005's Doom, based on the popular video game series of the same name. This one stars Carl Urban, Rosemond Pike, and The Rock, as he's credited in the film, Dwayne Johnson. Um, A film that was a box office bomb um, and currently scores a 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Matt, this is going to suck. Can't wait. Um, Yeah, it'll... It'll be interesting. Very excited. It should be interesting. That's for sure. And folks at home, you can go ahead and cast your, your bets. Um, will Taco Bell get my order You're right? going back? I'm going to a different location this okay. time. I'm going back, but I'm not going back, back. I'm going back. Um. Or who knows? Maybe I'll just get White Castle again. White Castle is also pretty good. Lots of other fun also establishments. That should be their slogan. White Castle, also pretty good. Yeah, if any food establishment wants to sponsor us, you can be the official restaurant of Matt watching a movie. Yeah. I'll 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 do it. I'll take one. <laughs> take one for the, the group here. Get some free food out of it. Uh Matt. <laughs> Great time, as always, uh, watching Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Uh, folks should go back and check out our previous video game movie episodes, uh, Super Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, uh, on our website, upfordebate.tv, or wherever you get podcasts, uh, including the video version on YouTube. Of course, you can get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts at TV on Twitter, email TV at gmail.com. Of course, we'll be back next time with another summer movie. You're not going to want to miss it. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time for another video game movie adaptation edition of Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.